We can't take away our child's feelings. We can validate them. We can let them know we understand it's hard for them. All of those things. So when your child has feelings or gets upset about quiet time, it's important that you be willing to understand that and sympathize with them. Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions podcast for parents, where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about quiet time, something that I hold near and dear to my heart, and I don't think I will ever be getting rid of some form of quiet time in this house, no matter how old my daughter gets. So if you don't know, I have a four and a half. She will be five next month. I guess she's more than four and a half now. She is almost five and she dropped her nap over a year ago at this point, maybe close to two years. Um, Up until the time she dropped her nap, she was a consistent one to 3 p.m. napper. And I... Remember being actually like towards the end of the time when she napped, um, I was pretty relieved when she dropped her nap because she started to get really cranky after her naps. Like, you know how before this point when they're babies, they get cranky when they don't nap. Like there came to a point towards the end of her nap days when she would wake up consistently cranky um, when she would wake up from her naps. And... I also didn't like waking her up early, but if I left, if I let her sleep too long, then she would just be like groggy and cranky and disoriented the rest of the afternoon. And then before bedtime, it was this very special version of hell that I don't wish upon any parent. I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what, when it switches from being cranky from not enough sleep to then being cranky, cranky from sleep, but that is when we sort of transitioned from nap time to quiet time. I would say there was no more than a month where we didn't have a nap and she was like kind of just frolicking out in her, in our house. Um, But then I quickly realized this meant I had an added two hours on the clock as caregiver and that was not fun. So before the no napping days and hanging out all day with mom days became a habit, which was in the thick of the pandemic when I was already counting the seconds until bedtime as it was, I decided I needed to quickly implement a quiet time routine to take place of that midday time. So I'm going to share with you in this episode what our quiet time routine looks like at home and then some steps for you to implement quiet time in your house if you don't have this already. But first, I want to talk to you about some basic reasons why your child and you might benefit from this. You might be saying like, why, you know, if they don't need the nap, if they're not sleepy enough to nap, why do we still need quiet time? My first reason is alone time. 
I don't think I need to say anything more than that. When my daughter is in her room for quiet time, I get my own rest time. I can take a bath, take a nap, scroll mindlessly on TikTok, or get some work done around the house. And when I get alone time to myself in the day, I am a much better parent and wife. So everybody wins when mom gets alone time. And even if you have multiple kids, maybe you have an infant who you wouldn't totally get alone time because your infant would be awake during quiet time. But I bet it's much easier to only take care of one child at a time if your other one is in quiet time, then you can focus on the infant. The other reason why is that it really does help you regulate. It's a good time for your nervous system to regulate. So whether you have a child who's a sensory seeker or a sensory sensitive child or even a neurotypical child, a midday rest can just be so helpful for helping curb that afternoon, wild, chaotic dysregulation time that usually happens when there's no rest time. So this is especially true if you have a child who attends some sort of morning preschool program or school, um, or if you go on like a play date or play activities or go to the park in the morning, just having that rest time in the middle of the day is very helpful for regulation. But there are some scientific benefits of quiet time for kids. I'm going to quote some articles and link them in the show notes. So they said that downtime is an opportunity for the brain to make sense of what it has recently learned, to surface fundamental unresolved tensions in our lives, and to swivel its powers of reflection away from the external world toward itself. While mind-wandering we well so they're talking about how you mind wander like during this quiet time when you're alone your mind kind of starts to wander or daydream so while mind wandering we replay conversations we had earlier that day rewriting our verbal blunders as a way of learning to avoid them in the future so this study in this article was quoting a lot about what daydreaming and mind wandering is like for adults but of course as children the same can happen i hear my daughter replay scenes or conflicts that we had in the house or at school or even things she sees in a movie but she's processing things that happened and the way that she responded and the way that other people responded and it's really great for her to have that um, uninterrupted time and way for her uh, brain to process things and they also said that downtime is in fact essential to mental processes that affirm our identities and develop our understanding of human behavior So that is the science behind why quiet time and rest time can be beneficial. Again, I'm going to link those two articles in the show notes, um, but I can vouch for this. I see her mind wander at this time, but like she scripts it out loud. She talks about things. She has so many creative ideas in this space. Um, It's a really great time for kids to explore their own minds. So now let's talk about what our quiet time routine looks like in this house. So every house is going to have their own rules and routines for quiet time with different siblings, different schedules, different resources, all of that. But here is what ours looks like in our house. So her hatch light, I'm going to link that in the show notes. The hatch light is a programmed light timer in her room. Um, It turns red at 1245, but I don't always have her in her room by then, but I like to have it start at 1245 in case sometimes I do start quiet time earlier on really hard days. I put her in there 15 minutes earlier, Um, but typically I try to have her in her room at one o'clock. 
I always remind her what we're doing like right before if we're having lunch or if we're coming home from the park I will remind her like when we get home we're going to wash hands and then you'll have 10 minutes to read a book if you want and then it's going to be time for room time or quiet time we kind of use them both interchangeably so I give her a lot of preparation um at this point aside from that like one month of limbo when she wasn't napping she doesn't really know a life without some time some days of her having like in her room she doesn't know a life without having room time or quiet time so if we are home she always has some quiet time um between the hours of one and three if we're out of the house like we're we're like we went out to lunch or we went out you know when we're at disneyland i don't make it a point to come home or to like stop and rest during that time that we're past those days but if we are home i make a point of having her do quiet time um, so for our light system, I mentioned it a little bit. I love the hatch again, linked in the show notes because you can program it automatically. It can change through your phone and through a certain time. Um, you can choose whatever colors you want. So I chose just the classic stoplight colors. So for us, red means bed. So this means that she has to be in her bed during the time that the light is red. In her bed, she doesn't have to sleep. She doesn't have to close her eyes. She can sing. She can talk. She can play with her lovies. Um, But she has to stay in bed. I typically like her at least laying down in bed, but sometimes she will like stand and sing in bed. Sometimes she will sit. But my general rule is she has to be in bed. Most of the time, she ends up laying under the covers and like talking and playing with her lovies and her stuffed animals. And sometimes um, she will fall asleep at this time, Um, but it's very rare. So this first period of rest, this red time on her timer lasts for an hour. So then that's from one to two. Then at two o'clock, her light turns yellow. When it's yellow, she is allowed to get out of her bed and play in her room. So she still can't leave her room, um, but she can play anything she wants in her room. Then at three o'clock, her light turns green and she is able to um, come out of her room. So um, she's in her room for quiet time around 1 to 3 p.m. So now here's the, the kind of the expectations and the rules and how I explain it to her. Unless it's an emergency, like which involves blood or if she has to throw up or like something's not feeling right, then if unless it's any of those things and she's expected to stay in her room I don't lock her room I do close the door most of the time sometimes I leave the door open but she is such a rule follower that she literally just like has this barrier around her room and she really just stays in there um sometimes she will come out randomly especially if she hears me on a phone call which is when I schedule most of my one-on-one calls but she will always find her way to my office and like tell me the most riveting fact about giraffes or or like something that happened at school or sometimes she'll ask me a question about like what's for dinner but I quickly redirect her back to her room and she knows that she needs to stay in her room she also has a um a little potty seat in her room that she uses it has like towels underneath it if there ever was a spill but she never spills but she has a portable potty in there and um toilet paper so she can use her potty in there she only goes pee in that she does not go number two if she has to go number two she goes to the other bathroom and I help her if she needs help wiping so all of those things but generally speaking she knows the expectation is that she is in her room from one to three 
The other consistent thing during our quiet time in our house is that there are no screens um, in her room at that time. So my rule is there's no TV. She doesn't even have a TV in her room, but I wouldn't substitute TV time for this quiet time. Um, and she doesn't, she doesn't use iPad at this time. The only electronics that she has access to in this time are like some of her battery operated toys, which is like a small keyboard piano that sometimes plays music. And she has like a dollhouse that has buttons that make the dolls talk. Um, but the reason why I limit TV or iPad time at this time is I is because I love using TV or iPad time as an extra tool. Um, and if she's already in her room and I already have my own space alone, I'm not going to waste precious screen time minutes in that time frame. So I use it when she's out of her room. So it's extra bonus time for me, basically. So a lot of times she will have quiet time in her room from one to three, and then she comes out at three. And then from three to three 30, I give her TV or screen time or like iPad time. So I just get extra time to myself. So I am not wasting that time during the quiet time. And that's one big tip that I give for you. Um, in addition to the fact that it's not really as restful and there's not really as much time for creativity and mind wandering if you are using screens um, in that time. Okay, so all of that said, it goes without saying that this whole process is going to be easier overall if you do it as close to the time that they drop naps as possible. So when they're already used to like the routine of being in their room during a certain period of time. So from the moment they stop napping, instead of just having them like stay with you the rest of the day, try to make the transition to quiet time in the room versus napping in the room. Of course, there's probably going to be some limbo period where you're not really sure if they like officially drop nap or if it's just like a, a rough week which is kind of what happened to us for a month. Once it hit a month straight of no naps, I was like, okay, she definitely just dropped the nap. Let's go back to quiet time. But try to keep that as close as possible. Um, so then I know that some of you, though, that are listening to this right now might have already way past that time and might still want to go back and find ways to implement quiet time. And it's not too late. It's not too late to start. Don't worry. Here is how I coach my one-on-one -on -one clients um, on how to start and implement quiet time. So the first thing you're going to do is decide on which external supports you're going to use to help your child understand the concept of time. So even if you have the smartest, intelligent child who understands an analog clock, or just a clock in general. It's not going to be as helpful, um, especially in this transitional time, unless you have some sort of extra visual support. So I recommend using a colored light like I have. You don't have to use the hatch. There's a ton of different ones that you can find. Um, but a colored light helps them know when it's it, it adds like an extra visual cue and of reminding them what the boundary is. You don't have to do three colors. You could stick to as simple as red light and green light. Um, 
My recommendation though is if you are going to be doing a long time, like I consider an hour or more long time, like for us it's two hours, they do need some sort of halfway mark to know. Otherwise they kind of just feel antsy the whole time waiting for it to turn red or waiting for it to turn green. So I added yellow. I started at first just red and green and then she kept asking, when is it almost over? When is it over? When is it over? So the yellow light really gives them some indication that it's like, oh, now we're the halfway mark or it's almost going to turn green. Um, so I use, uh, red, yellow, and green for that. If you're just starting and you're starting for like five minutes of practice, I would just do, you could still do the red, yellow, and green, or you could just do red and green. Um, you could also use a visual timer. You don't have to use this, but I think in addition to the colored light system, it might also just give them an extra, um, indication of how, how time is passing. Um, a lot of the kids at first will just stare at the light and wait for it to change colors, especially if they don't know what to do with themselves in this period alone. Um, so a visual timer might help as well. Um, visual timers include like sand timers. I think sand timers, um, I don't know the longest one they have available. I think they have one that's an hour long. I don't think they have anything that's a two hour sand timer. Um, but I really like the time timer, which is when you see that red disc get smaller and smaller as time passes and it's kind of in the same shape as a clock. So the visual timer is a good one to add. The other thing that's really, really helpful if you're having a child have a hard time understanding the concept of like red means like rest, yellow means play, green means you can leave the room. If they're having a hard time tying those, um, that like those, what is that? What am I trying to think of? The symbolic, the symbolism of colored and um, what that means for what their body should be doing in that time, then you could also add visual pictures of what it, what's expected. Kind of like you would have visual pictures for a routine for brushing their teeth. You could have the same visual pictures for the sequence of quiet time. So for example, you could put a visual printout of a red light with a next to a picture of your child laying down in their bed and put that in their room. Then you could also put underneath that, you could put a picture of the yellow light next to a picture of your child, like building Legos or reading a book in their room. And then under that, put a picture of the green light next to a picture of your child, like walking out of their room door or like giving you a hug or something like that. Um, just know that visual supports are gold. Even if your child has the cognitive ability to remember or to speak or to know, visual supports are just are always a good idea, especially when you're learning a new routine. My next tip is that you should introduce this idea to them at a neutral time. So if you have a younger child, this might not be something that you can do, but if you if you have a child who's old enough to understand the language behind this, then I would give them a preview of what's coming up. Maybe a few days or a few weeks before, maybe as you're like gathering these, the hatch light or the, the visual pictures as you're getting all of these things ready, um, have a conversation with them and let them know that you're going to start quiet time on Sunday. You're going to have your first day of quiet time. Call it whatever you want. If they don't like the idea of quiet time, you can call it room time. You can call it rest time, whatever you want to call it, but let them know that something a new routine is going to be starting and allow them the opportunity to process that and to ask you any questions that they may have. My next tip is to practice the concept of red light, 
yellow light, green light. So I mentioned earlier using visual supports, which is great, but you also want to practice the actual motions of what they're what they're going to do in their room when they see those things. So whether you do this with your voice, like verbally, or if you already have that hatch light system that you could change manually with your phone, play this stoplight game. So go into the room and you either call out red light or you like push the button on your phone to turn the light red. And then they have to like quickly and fast, like quickly like run over to their bed and like lay down. And then you call out green light and then they might run to the door or you push the button for the light to turn green. Then you call yellow light and that means they might have to like go grab a book from the shelf and then like sit down. And you can do this as fast as you want, like speed lightning route. It's really funny for them to like jump back and forth between bed and the door, then getting a book. Um, you could play with it however you want, but the idea is to get them to actually move through the different stages of the light so they can understand red means bed, red means bed, red means bed, or whatever lights, um, system that you choose. Another tip that might help you if your child has a hard time with separation from you and you still have a monitor around, you could use this as to like bridge that gap. You can use this kind of as your like walkie talkie as a line of communication between you and your child in the first few times of practicing quiet time. So for the first like few months, I just re actually like more than a few months. It was only recently that I stopped using the monitor. Um, but she would talk to me through the monitor. She would ask me questions in the monitor and it was kind of annoying when I was trying to do my own thing, but I would much prefer that than her like physically getting out of her room to ask me questions. The other tip is about starting small. So just like anything, I always talk about the Just Right Challenge. So think about starting in small increments to work your way up. Um, again, if you are using the light system and you have it where you can manually program it from your phone or manually change the light from your phone, try to turn the light green like before they start having huge complaints. Um, you want to try to beat them to the complaints because... You don't want them to associate the thought that like, oh, if I start complaining, like, mom, is it going to turn green soon? Is it going to turn green soon? Is it going to turn green soon? And then you like make it turn green. Then they might start associating like, oh, if I complain enough, mom turns it green. You want to try to get really good at knowing their threshold. Um, but So you can try to turn it green. So like if you think they're only going to last five minutes in their room, then I would turn it green at like three minutes or four minutes and start there. There's nothing. If, if you're coming from no quiet time, then having five minutes of quiet time to practice is going to go a long way. And you will quickly be able to build up that from five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 to 20 to 30. And you can cap it at 30 if that's fine for you. You can go all the way up to two hours, which is what I do. Um... When you're first starting out, if you do have the monitor, um, you can use this at the same time. And I would kind of keep a close eye on the monitor as you're watching your child in their room. Like sometimes I was when I was first starting this, I would see Liliana like staring at the stoplight like she was trying to will it to like change colors. And so I would change it green like um, pretty quickly in the beginning. My next tip, this is important. Stay consistent. Even with the big feelings, I know sometimes it's just, it feels easier to be like, oh, fine, just come out of your room. Like, this is just too stressful for me to keep like bringing you back there. Um, so 
try to be consistent because remember this, at the end of the day, your job as a parent is to set boundaries. Yes, even as a gentle parent, conscious, discipline, respectful parent, whatever you want to call it, you still have to set boundaries and enforce those boundaries. That is your job. Your child's job is to have feelings about those boundaries. You can't take that away from them. They don't have to be quiet about doing, they don't have to be happy about doing quiet time. They don't have to be okay with this new change and this extra time separating away from you. A lot of times parents ask me, every time I ask my child to X, Y, Z, or every time I enforce this boundary, they get upset. And then the parents ask me like how to get them to not be upset. Well, it's not in our control. We can't take away our child's feelings. We can validate them. We can let them know we understand it's hard for them. All of those things. So when your child has feelings or gets upset about quiet time, it's important that you be willing to understand that and sympathize with them. But remember, again, ideally at the beginning, it's not a huge chunk of time. So you don't have to feel like you're locking your child in their room for hours while they're crying and like wanting to hate it. You definitely don't want to induce this this like stressed moment every day for like 20 minutes straight. Definitely start out small, but stay consistent with it and know that it's okay for them to have feelings about this transition, about this new routine. Another tip for you is to keep their special beloved toys in their room. So my daughter has doll houses and kitchen sets that she loves to play with, but we just always keep them in her room so that it feels special and new for quiet time. You can definitely do toy rotations in your in their room if you want to, but there's just certain toys that my daughter has and dolls that always stay in her room and they get a lot of play. Like her magnet tiles, she loves them. Um, and if she wants to play with them at any other time of the day, we go to her room to play it. So it just stays in her room. My last tip for you is to keep a close eye on this, to try to make sure that their room doesn't have many negative associations related to it. So their room should not be this place of where they go for timeouts or stay in your room or you're in trouble or go to your room because and think about what you've done, like all of those things. Um, You want the room to have a positive, safe space feeling to it. If you've felt the need, like in the past, maybe you've had to force quiet time, or maybe you did used to use timeouts, this might be the biggest factor that you're, that's going to come up that makes it hard for you with creating a consistent quiet time schedule. But you can get a fresh start by resetting the environment so that it can feel new. And again, explaining to your child at a neutral time what your, what quiet time is going to look like for them. Um, For example, like, you know, maybe you're starting a new quiet time and you want to create a, like a calming corner full of all of your child's favorite play things. Like, so maybe you would buy a like pop-up tent from Amazon or Target and it's this new thing in their room that makes it exciting and fresh. And you can explain this as like, you know, when it's, when the light turns yellow, you can go in this tent, you can use this flashlight to read special books. You can use this drawing board. You can use these like smelly markers, these twisty crayons, like something that's really exciting for them to make quiet time in their room feel exciting and something that's positive. And if you have to work your way up to this, creating a positive association in the room, that's okay. I would definitely start there before implementing any sort of scheduled quiet time. If they have a very strong aversion to their room for whatever reason, I would try to undo that by having a lot of positive playtime associated with their room. 
So lastly, just remember quiet time or room time can look different in so many houses. There's no right way to do it. This is how I do it. This is how I coach my clients through it. But the idea is that you get some time to yourself and your child gets some downtime and practice by to, to practice being by themselves. Both of these are important to their development. But if you want more time, if you want more help setting up your child with quiet time, or if you want to ask questions about any other sensory or emotional regulation developmental concern, then I have space on my one-on-one caseload. The link to find out more information on that is in the show notes, or you can head to the otbutterfly.com slash parent consult. All right, I'll see you guys next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find me as well. Want to learn more from me? I share tons more over on Instagram at the OT Butterfly. See you next time.